Hey, this is Todd Smith of Sela, and you are listening to the Christian Music Guys podcast. Thanks so much for listening. On today's episode, we sit down with Todd Smith of Sela. Todd's most recent single, Promises, is available everywhere. Welcome back to the Christian Music Guys podcast, the best podcast for Christian music fans by Christian music fans. You guys ever get into this website, Zillow, and spend so much time there dreaming about properties that you'd like to have? You guys ever find yourself there? Sometimes. Um, but I want to check sometimes. out a house. I mean, we're we're definitely kind of in the middle of looking for houses uh, sometime soon within the next year or so. And so we've kind of begun the whole Zillow thing and... Um, so I've spent a lot of hours on there recently, but, uh, I was reading this story out of Maryland, Mead, a uh, Fort Mead, Maryland. Uh, you know, it's high school graduation time and this one's good. Like this is a great high school prank. If you're graduating, uh, these seniors listed their school on Zillow, uh, as for sale and <laughs> 12,458 square feet. 15 baths and 20 bedrooms. Check out their description. Their description is what just made it awesome. They say the night this nice half-working jail is on sale for just a steal. All 15 bathrooms come with sewage issues. There's a nice spacious kitchen and dining room with a private basketball court. This home also comes with a private study. The school also comes with dangerous unfinished sections that could cost you your life. Your neighbors are rodents and insects that will make you squeal. You have 100 parking spots to park all of your nice cars in private multi-use turf field. The school comes with a complimentary trash-scented air freshener and bath tissue. Be sure to contact your realtors and put an offer on this wonderful jail. Hmm. So they listed their school on Zillow and they <laughs> a measly $42,069 and um, what a great prank. And the fact that Zillow listed it is amazing. But I, I, I thought Zillow just pulled off MLS listings. So how did they Listen, get it? I don't know. Liz, there is a Zillow. So the, I was reading the article. There's like a, there was a whole Zillow page and everything. And it even, I guess there's a place for sale by owner that they would allow them yeah. to post or something. But it yeah. says, because there was like the page and it said, interested in touring this home and uh, you could get more info. And so that what was great was because sometimes you hear about, you know, there's obviously some senior pranks go too far. And, you know, if it's going to damage property or something. And but sometimes like you'll hear administrators like, oh, you're not going to graduate or whatever. The response of the staff was awesome basically the principal was like hey like wow like our students are so creative basically and he says the only thing is i think they underestimated the value i'm sure lots of people are going to be coming to tour the school soon and it won't be on the market long so hurry up and you know go to zillow so he kind of played along with it i thought i thought it was great i mean i feel like that's a it's the it's the perfect balance right it's a prank that's hilarious doesn't cause anybody damage. Jacob, didn't you have a teacher who got pranked a lot and someone they went a little too far and bought like 
a $20,000 plane or something on his eBay account or yeah. <laughs> didn't that happen? No, no, I won't name any names, but, um, that's the example of when a prank goes too far. Tell, remind me that Jacob, what happened? Yes, we call, yes, we had a teacher. He had a long last name, um, in high school. Um, and a couple of people, a couple of the people in my class got a hold of his eBay account. And this is when eBay was a big, was a big thing. I guess it still is, but it was really a big deal then. And they put, they auctioned or, you know, they bid on, like Jesse said, a, um, a private jet, they, um, jet skis, um, random things too, like Pokemon cards. Uh, and um some other things too as well but um luckily uh he didn't get any of it and luckily those kids are still alive <laughs> that i was gonna say I, I remember they got into a lot of trouble but man i think the thing is that's when it goes too far right you could ruin some guy's financial life and whatever um but yeah i thought this uh, zillow prank was pretty good Jesse said in the, in the beginning, uh, our guest today is Todd Smith, one third of the trio. Selah. Todd um, has been doing some solo stuff and uh, has been releasing some singles. And his, his latest single, like we said, is Promises. It's a song that he wrote for his daughters. And um, I would compare that song to like a Butterfly Kisses. Cinderella. It's a tearjerker, yeah, man. Cinderella type song. It's a great song. We had a good conversation with Todd. So yeah, check this interview out with Todd. Uh, well, today <laughs> we have Todd Smith, Mr. Esango Mingi himself. Welcome to the podcast, Todd. Man, it's great to be with you guys. I love the podcast. I've been listening to it and uh, you guys have some great interviews. So it's been been real fun to hear just different people you've uh, you've been talking to and Obviously, mm-hmm. Alan was on, so I've, now it's my turn. Yeah. So let's yeah. go back to uh, Christmas time and your Santa War videos on Instagram with you and John Acuff. And so, who who officially won that this year, or this past year? You did. Uh, I did. I definitely won that this year. Is they it- they quit Christmas <laughs> Eve because they they um, uh, Jenny's parents live in North Carolina. And so they went back and broke everything down Christmas Day. So you don't win. Plus, I had way more uh, Frosties, way more snowmen overall. So, you know, they won it the first year. How how it started was um, Jenny decided to buy a 20-foot Santa and puts it up. Mm -hmm. This is like three or four years ago. So I'm like, and it's facing our house. So we just look like the pathetic house that like, we're never good about putting outdoor lights on or anything. So I go to Home Depot and I find a three foot Santa and I put it up and face it off against hers. And um, we live in this neighborhood where there's a community pool. And so every, in the summertime, like our, we, you really get to know your neighbors. Like we all really do hang out and John and Jenny are some of our best friends. And so we were at the pool and Angie, my wife and John have done this sunset wars forever, where it's who can 
take the best sunset picture and then post that and see how many likes they get. You know, it's kind of this game that they've had. So when everything happened with Santa, I was like, this is Santa Wars. And so I did kind of my first post of my little Santa versus their 20 foot Santa. My, my three foot Santa was pathetic, but that's where John and I, I started calling it Santa Wars. And he, he is one of the funniest people you will ever meet. And so he and I just started going back and forth. Well, it's the second year, which was I think two years ago, I ordered an 18 foot frosty and they didn't know. And we even, they have two daughters. And so McRae and Ellie, we gave them a heads up because we wanted to put it up Thanksgiving night, but we didn't want them to know. So they were scoping things out. They're like, don't worry, mom and dad are watching a TV show. You're good to go. So we set that up and we won that year. Well, then last year, Jenny ordered several Santas. So she won. And then this year I won. So. Are it's we kind of like that movie, <laughs> uh, that's what I'm Deck saying. the Halls, where you compete with your neighbor, Danny DeVito, I think. And uh, yep. so I think you're trying to go for NASA seeing you from space. Is that correct? <laughs> that is, you know, there's a 30 foot Grinch, but it's yeah. like four grand and I just can't justify yeah. that. But I, <laughs> just raise your it. ticket prices. I have looked into <laughs> yeah. it as a possibility. <laughs> yes yeah you guys need to promote this solo album really well so that i can buy that 30 for grinch you know please guys for if if for anything for the grinch right yeah but... dream it nonstop. but yeah that is the history of the santa wars i i really hope that so my neighborhood does a a whole christmas uh competition for lighting whatever and I have not placed yet. I've only been here for two year, two Christmases now, but I have not placed. However, this coming year, I'm doing the whole like tune into the radio station and they're like the lights are flashing and go into the music and everything. So if I don't win this year, I'm going to be very, very disappointed. <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens. So there's uh, one place in so, Chicago. It almost looks like the Home Alone neighborhood. And every uh-huh. house has like a 18 foot Santa or 20 foot Santa. Like you just go, it's like 50 houses. So yeah, we're not, I did have for- one of those. What's that? I had one of the, I had one of those giant Santas. It was like the 25 foot Santa. And every, every day I'd come home from work or whatever. Cause you, you basically have to keep it fl- afloat because right. if you let it deflate and then it never like the, ties don't ever whatever but it just was a nightmare and i was just like yeah i, I don't think i'm gonna retire him after those it's a lot of work though. it's a lot of commitment it you is. Know? i mean you gotta you gotta know your santa you gotta know your frosty you gotta know where to put <laughs> the the ropes and tie it down and everything it's it's a it's a commitment but it's it's <laughs> worth it it's worth it to beat john yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, moving away from snow into maybe some warmer weather, um, you being a son of missionaries, how did you become, how did you go from like the, what, what do they call them, PK? So MK? MK and MK. An MK to a, a like a Christian music artist. Yeah. So I uh, lived in Congo for um, eight years and my grandparents were missionaries there. My dad was born out there. Uh, my mom, when she met my dad, um, she they were in Bible college and she knew she, he was a missionary kid and she had no desire to be an MK. She wanted to live in the city. She had no desire to be a missionary and specifically prayed 
as she was starting to have feelings for him, Lord, I'm starting to love this man. Please don't ever send me to Africa. <laughs> so <laughs> so that, she was very upfront with God and my dad. And then when we were five, when I was five, sorry, I have two older sisters, uh, our house burned down and my dad was actually doing music. He was a, a has a beautiful tenor voice. Uh, my grandma was a singer um, and singing was just natural in our family. My mom was a piano major in college. And so all of our family sang, like we were the annoying family. We didn't know we were annoying, but we were the annoying family who living in Michigan <laughs> would drive all the way from Detroit to go to Disney world. And we sang in six part harmony and we just thought that was normal. And so, yeah. um, you know, it's kind of like that Von Trapp, Von Trapp family. Yeah. Thing. But dad felt called to go to Congo and, you know, tells my mom about it. They, they were able to talk about three days after the fire because he was in California singing. And she was like, are you nuts? I mean, like the house is on fire and you want to go to Congo. And, but she knew he wouldn't just say that. And so after about a week of prayer, she knew that we were supposed to go. So that turned into eight years and they have a Bible college there and a, um, uh, dispensary. They had an orphanage for a while. They have a radio station too. So even during COVID, Mm -hmm. um, the radio station was the people's church because they couldn't gather in their villages and churches. Mm-hmm. So they, but they could gather around yeah. the radio. Um, but all that to say, we always sang and, and um, uh, singing was like a way to release, you know, just when we were missing our grandparents, when we were missing America, when we were going through something. Yeah. We would, I, I mean, I, we wore out Andre Crouch's live from Carnegie Hall album, uh, Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, Sandy Patty. I remember my first mm. Petra album because we weren't allowed to listen to any kind of rock and roll. And yeah, yeah. Uh, my sisters went to boarding school and got corrupted by these other missionary kids who were in boarding school. <laughs> so <laughs> my sister, Sean, she comes home, you know, to our mission station. And she's like, and normally we would have electricity on from five to 10 at night. Um, but for some reason, dad had the electricity going on during the day. This is in Congo. And he was out of his office. He was probably doing some construction work. And so my sister, Sean goes, Todd, there is this Christian music group and they have long hair and they wear tennis shoes and they sing rock and roll music about Jesus. And I was like, long hair and tennis shoes and they're Christians. I mean, it's amazing. But I pictured they still had a three piece suit on. And I was like, what's their sure, name? Sure. Yeah. I said, what's their name? She's like, they're called Petra. And it was their More Power To You album, which is I, one of my favorites that they ever did. Yeah. And the first song was called Stand Up. And I put the headphones on and listened to that. And it was just the greatest thing I'd ever heard. I mean, like, this is amazing. Um, but I was also a huge Russ Taft fan uh, when he was with the Imperials. And years before, we were allowed to listen yeah. to the Imperials. That was okay. Uh, but I remember hearing Russ and being so struck by his vocals because he just sang from his gut. Like I believed every word he said. And I was like, I want to sound like that guy. I want to sing like that guy. I want to sing so genuinely where it comes across like that. So all that to say, we came back to the States, you know, you do a year of furlough, which is you come back and it's kind of like a resting period, but you're really not resting because you're going to visit all the churches that support you. And we all sang. And so that was actually a training ground for me doing what I'm doing now without realizing that go back to Africa, come back again to the States for good. And I thought I was going to be a missionary and that's what I wanted to do. And then around my junior year in high school, I was like, man, I really don't 
want to go to Africa. I don't mind going to visit, but I think I really want to do music. And my older sister, Nicole, who used to be in Sela, she knew when she was 12, mm-hmm. she wanted to sing. Like she, she, when we were on furlough, she, our church was, uh, sat about 2000 people and they would put on this massive Christmas production and they had like the living mm-hmm. Christmas tree, you know, where the choir stood in the Christmas tree mm-hmm. and they did oh, this yeah. huge production when Nicole sang a solo and standing ovation every night. And she was incredible, even as a 12 year old. And so that's when she knew like, this is what I want to do. So for me, when I was a junior, I'm like, I want, I don't want to go to Africa, but I really thought, um, I thought God would kill me. I thought he would be so disappointed with me that he would, I didn't have a choice in it and really started to wrestle with that. Cause like, I don't, I know the spiritual thing is I should go to Africa, but I want to, I want to mm-hmm. do music. So finally worked up the courage to ask my parents. And I just said, Hey, I don't know that God's calling me to this, but this is what I'm passionate about. What do you guys think? And they were like, if, if you feel called to this, or if you feel like this is a door that's opening then you need to walk down that path. And they were always incredibly supportive of what we did um, as kids. So that was a light bulb moment for me um, where I was like, well, yeah. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I want to go and get into music. And so that, that was the initial thing that set that up. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Now, do you think your parents would be so for it still, if you were, if you were to say, Hey, I think God's calling me to be a, a Petra too, or a <laughs> <laughs> by that time. Yes. Like another Petra. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I always, I thought I was going to be a rock, a rock guy, like not even as, I, if you okay. had told me I was going to be in a trio with my sister and we were going to do hymns, I've been like, are you crazy? Yeah. Like, I was going yeah, to be right. a rock guy and probably more mainstream than anything else. I wasn't, it wasn't like I was going to go, you know, be a Christian artist, although I love Christian music. But mm-hmm. what happened there was uh, we went back to Africa after my senior year of high school. Uh, and I'd had, I'd had malaria over the years, probably 10 or 15 times, but got it really bad came back to the States and I played soccer. If you grow up in Africa, you play soccer. And so I was going to play in college at a school called Grace uh, College in Winona Lake, Indiana, and stopped taking my malaria medicine when I came back to um, the States, which you should never do. You usually have to take it like once a week for the next three or four weeks and started soccer camp and my immune system was shot. And the malaria came back with a vengeance and I had the worst type of malaria. And I think like maybe 3% Mm. of people live uh, who have it. I didn't realize that at the time, but, um, almost died, had to sit out a year, couldn't walk, um, was just physically so weak and just depressed because all my friends had moved on and I was just laying in my bed, you know, in my room. And then about six months later, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, you know, I don't know what's happening. Well, my sister was at Wheaton College. Nicole was at Wheaton College. And there was another student who had just done six a semester at Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee, which has an incredible music business program. They had ended up running into each other. And Nicole was graduating that year. And then she was going to be moving to Nashville to pursue music. And I still remember the call because she was like, hey, there's this school in Nashville. They study the music industry. Um, they have a music business program and I didn't even know that existed. And it was like, you know, you know how you're like a day could be going a certain way. And then there's like, someone speaks life into you and it totally yeah. changes mm. the dynamic. And that was it. I mean, it was like, that's where I'm going. Yeah. And so then moved down to register for classes and, 
that's where I met Alan. And uh, yeah, that was the beginning yeah. of everything. So, and this would have been uh, mid nineties, right? Yeah. So early nineties, early nineties. I moved in 92. Um, Alan uh, had been here about three years before me, but he did the 10 year program <laughs> at Belmont. And so he basically was like, as soon as he ran out of money, he would work for a bit and then he'd come back and, you know, it was actually pretty smart. Um, but yeah. I met him in the studio. I just, I knew he was, uh, uh, a yeah. singer. And in fact, one of the first sessions we did, we were backing up Brad Paisley, who was also a, a, a student, a student at Belmont. And he was, you know, laying down a track and we sang backup for him on one of his songs. But then I started singing at like the gospel, they have these showcases. So there was the gospel showcase, the rock showcase, and Alan backed me up. And then he, um, he was like, Hey, could we sing? I, I'm getting a little stressed out by exams. Would it be okay to just go down to the practice rooms and do some hymns? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. we go down there and we would just sing. And I was like, Oh my goodness, this guy can play, mm-hmm. but we would just worship. Like there was no, Hey, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. We had no idea of that. I never thought I was going to be in a, a group with him. And then eventually his, um, music pastor was like, Hey, he would sing, uh, professionally. And so he was like, Hey, could you get someone to fill in for me? So I filled in and we did that at a couple different churches. And then at one of the churches, the pastor said, Hey, could you do a concert? Well, I didn't want to sing by myself. So I wrote my sister into it and it was like two weeks later. So we didn't have time to write music. So we just picked out our favorite hymns, choruses, African songs. And that was the first Sela concert. And then that led to, we did a youth group event of all things. And um, my mom came to it. And I remember thinking, why we're so stupid? Like, why did we agree to do hymns for teenagers? <laughs> and it ended up being this amazing night. In fact, they asked us to sing His Eyes on the Sparrow twice. Um, this kid comes up to Alan. He's like, man, that It Is Well song. That's really good. Did you guys write that? And, and, yeah, uh, right. <laughs> yeah, like, seriously. And so um, uh, uh, my mom, she sensed it. You know, I was moving back to Bible. I just finished at Belmont. I was going to go up to Bible College in Detroit uh, to get a bachelor's in religious education. Alan was working on country music. Nicole just signed a pop deal. But my my mom was like, you guys need to make, there's something special here. You need you need to make an album of this. And I was like, mom, we don't have any money. And she was like, I my grandpa just passed away. And so she's like, I'll pay for it from, you know, my inheritance. And so Alan wrote his roommate who was uh, also at Belmont, who was a, a engineer into it. We paid him $10 an hour and we worked all the late hours okay. at the studio and recorded our first album, um, Be Still My Soul in about wow. two weeks. And then Nicole turned it into Kerr because she was signed with them. Mike heard it. And um, he was like, Hey, I want to keep you as a solo artist, but I want to sign you th- the three, the three of you as a group. There's something mm-hmm. here. So yeah, that's how we, that's how we started. And the rest is history, as they say. The rest is history. Yeah. So <clears throat> speaking of Sela, we're, we're going to get into your solo EP here in a, in, a, in a minute, but we just wanted to tell you our favorite Sela songs. Maybe, maybe you agree or disagree yeah. or we want to, we also want you, uh, we want to know your favorite Sela song, but my favorite Sela and I, okay. I think I've talked to you about this at your Christmas show, but all my praise and I love that song, but you told mm. me that you didn't like it at first. All my praise. Actually I did. You did. 
I did like it. You just Alan and 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 Nicole didn't that's like right. it. Okay. They mm. so you deliver me is the one I didn't like. Okay. I did not care for you deliver me. And Mike Post, who was a, a college classmate of ours and a roommate of Alan's, he wrote it. So Mike, I apologize. I was wrong. <laughs> Amy, Amy and Alan loved that song and kept pushing for it. And I just thought, I just thought it just kind of you know yeah. stayed here. And then they were mm. like, I think, I think we should really do something with that. And so I gave it another listen. I was like, you know what? You're right. And then that ended up being the title track with all my praise. We had, I think, was that on the press on album? The second. Yeah. I don't remember. Okay. Press on album. So we had to record six songs that day. And since it, that was Alan and Nicole's least favorite, we saved that for last. So in case you run out of time, well, then sorry, we can't do that one. So we did all the other ones. And we actually had taken a break and we're outside of the studio. It was the curb studio. And I was, after a while, I was like, you know what? I'm going in with the guys. I'm going to track that song. I don't care what you guys think. I think this is a great song. So I go in and go over it with the band and we start tracking it. And in the middle of the song, Nicole comes in. She's like, actually, this is, this is pretty good. What do you want me to sing on it? I was like, nothing. I'm taking the lead on it. Uh, <laughs> you get nothing. So, and then she did the harmonies, but it ended up being a number one song. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, it was just, uh, it was kind of one of the first, I guess, modern worship songs that we did as a group. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's a great song. Yeah, uh, so I, it's actually on Hiding Place because that's okay. the first uh, c- CD that I, I had of you guys. And... So, I mean, favorite Sela song, it can't, I mean, obviously a Sengo Mingi is up there, but that doesn't count because it just kind of, it's, it's always going to be the goat in my opinion, you know? Uh, and I, and I heard you, um, you guys did a show in Louisville and I don't remember where, but you guys sang that song and I was like, I'm buying the CD and I, <laughs> and I went and got it, uh, just for that song. And then, uh, but uh, Jacob you talked about all my praise funny story i auditioned for american idol once upon a time and that's the song i had auditioned with get out of here no True story way. he didn't make there's no a way. reason i'm a podcaster there's a reason i'm a podcaster and not it's, a Christian artist. <laughs> it's not the song it's not the song <laughs> lesson to all of you american idol people do not sing a sailor song for your audition so. <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome. Uh, so Jesse, what's your song? See, what's your what's your what's your top know. one? Oh man, Jacob kind of took it, but I think other than that, um, man, I just I just love when you guys do the hymns. I I am a sucker for old hymns, and I, like it is well. Um, I love when you guys kind of mash up different ones, um, and um, any hymn. I mean, all, I mean, all my praise is probably the one that. I've listened to the most. I mean, Hiding Place is a great song, um, but any hymn that you guys sing, I'm mm-hmm. I'm just on board. Piano, voices, sing a hymn. You got me. I'm tuning in. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I remember. Let's see. I was I was young. <laughs> <laughs> I was young. I, don't, I was. Uh, I, I just remember. I think our grandma. You were seven when Sayla first started, Chris. Well, I remember Hiding Place, and my favorite song on there was You Raise Me Up, mm. which I know that's not your all song, but like you all, like anytime I want to listen to that song, it's your all's version. Like it's, yeah, 
There's no no doubt that's the one I go to. Yeah, well, and to um, clarify too, with that song, Josh Groban actually heard our version and then recorded his. Nice. So okay, there it was go. originally done by Secret Garden, which is a Swedish pop group, mm. and mm, um, yeah. an Irish artist, Brian Kennedy. He was on Curb. We did it as a duet with him, but they never really released it. But we recorded mm. it. And back then you had to have a whole album, you know, you couldn't just, we didn't have iTunes, so you didn't just release a single. So yeah. we begged the label like, Hey, I, I remember the first time I heard it. Um, Brian Stewart, who's the A&R at Curb, who gave us so many great songs, found so many songs for us. But I remember him sending that one. I was newly married, sitting in my little apartment and had, you know, <laughs> this computer that probably weighed 20 pounds. And he was like, Hey, when you get a chance to listen to this song and it was, Brian Kennedy and Secret Garden. And as soon as they started singing, when I am down, I was, I was like, this is, yeah. oh my goodness. And I listened to it probably 20 times. Wow. And I was just like, this is a career mm-hmm. song. This is just a, this is, this song is going to be bigger than life, no matter who does it. Yeah. So we tracked yeah. it. Curb was under the Warner Brothers umbrella. And I believe Josh Groban was with Reprise, which was also part mm-hmm. of Warner And they have these conventions where they all get together and play new music. Well, they played You Raise Me Up, and he was looking for a final song for his album. And so his guys swiped that CD, took it back to him, rushed him into the studio. And I remember it was right around Desert Storm, uh, the second Desert Storm, because there was a uh, Mm -hmm. female soldier who was um, uh, a POW. And then I don't know how she escaped or if they did a trade. But they brought her back home safely and the next year did a miniseries on her. And I'm watching mm-hmm. and all of a sudden in the promo, Josh Groban's You Raised Me Up comes on as the theme song. And I was like, you're <laughs> kidding me. <laughs> now people are going to think we stole uh, <laughs> Have you all so, ever thought about... So we won't uh, be releasing it. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, it's okay. Have you guys ever thought about singing with him a version of that? You know, that would actually be fun, you know, to do because he doesn't do the second verse. You know, if you listen to the song, he does the first yeah, verse. Yeah. And then I think he does the chorus like two or three times. We do the first verse and the chorus. And then there's a second verse that's actually much more spiritual. Um, and yeah. I talked to the writer. I was like, hey, was yeah. this about God or what was this about? And he said, really, it could be about a friend. It could be about your faith. It could be... Um, anybody. But when you listen to that second verse, to me, that's talking about Jesus. You know, even if that wasn't his intention, it was, um, and it it could have gone that way if you wanted it to, but, but it's just so specific about faith to me. So, um, but Josh doesn't do that one, but that would be fun to do that, uh, do that with him. He'd probably say no, but let's see. I do remember listening to all of me and hearing you hit those notes. And as a, I don't know, uh, I would have been 12 or 13 years old. I just remember hearing those notes and being like, how is that dude not passing out? Like, you, I mean, Todd, you're, I mean, like, I remember listening to just being, that was probably one of the first times like listening to music that I was like, that's insane. How do you do that? I, I, I just remember being blown away by that song too. So that's another one of mine. Thanks. Thanks. A buddy of mine from college wrote that. So. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So do you have a favorite Sailor song, Todd? Wow. Yeah, I'm sure I do. There's sometimes where it it changes, um, varies. I'm I'm trying to think um, which one. 
one that I love, uh, as far as one that I wrote, is a song called "I Turn to You." Um, uh, mm-hmm. That one is is really uh, special to me. Um, let me see. As far as uh, hymns or anything else, just favorites. I think one recently is uh, we just released uh, "Greatest Hymns 3. And um, the love of God mm-hmm. is uh, we asked everybody when we went on socials and just said, hey, we it's our 25th anniversary. This was last a year ago, March. Um, we would Alan had this idea of what if we do another hymns album and just piano vocal similar to the very first album, you know, no budget, just real simple. And we were like, well, what if we ask everybody what songs they want to hear? So we went on all of our socials. And we got a thousand responses um, and, and a lot of them were the same song. We just, the only condition was it couldn't be the same, a hymn that we've already done it has to be a new one. Mm-hmm. And the love of God was by far the favorite choice. And that song has always been special in our family because my grandma used to sing that. In fact, we have a, a recording of, of her doing it. Um, but the third verse was the story goes, it was written by a man, a Jewish man in an insane asylum. And they found it after they took his body out of the, his bedroom. And it was just up on the wall. He, he wrote this, could we with ink, uh, the oceans fill. And he starts to go into this beautiful poetry of the, it's just infinite, the depth of the love of God that, you know, if every star on earth, a quill, um, uh, I should, I mean, I sang it, so I should have it all memorized. But basically, it's like if the ocean was ink, there wouldn't be enough of it to write about the love of God. And it's just one of the most beautiful verses lyrically that I think I've ever heard. So um, that one's probably, probably my favorite. All right, well, we've talked enough about Sailor for right now. So let's get into your new solo EP that's coming out. Tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, so this is my third solo project. Um, the first two, there was one called, sorry, there was one called Alive uh, that came out years ago, like 2004. And then I did one in 2016. Uh called there's a light and i think they both were certified cardboard not too long ago so um, they're out there and they're available Um, but we've it's so funny because whenever we say that we're doing solo projects the first question everybody has is is sailor breaking up and what would you be doing and i and that is a logical thing whenever you know you hear some pop artist who's doing an album you're like oh they're breaking up come on (laughs) But Alan's done two of them. He's actually working on a third one. Amy's done one. She's starting to write for uh, for hers. Um, but for me, it's one of those things where, and, and one of the songs that I have coming out later is called Keep On Fighting. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I can be held back by fear, like so much. And if I think I'm going to fail at something... I will back off of it if I feel like I don't have a voice in it. Like, what is my, what is, you know, does it really matter what I have to say? Then I'll just kind of hold off on things. And I probably haven't recorded more solo music because of that. Um, But I just really felt like there were a lot of things that I wanted to do. And so this has been about a two year um, uh, process of, of writing and coming up with different ideas and it's more of a mainstream project. Like everything that I'm singing Mm -hmm. is very faith-based in the sense of my faith is the foundation of it, 
but the songs are songs that uh, like I wrote one for a social media marketing conference and we were going in uh, a conference that I, I sang at uh, out in San Diego. And it's one of the largest marketing conferences, digital marketing conferences in, um, in the world. And um, the guy who's in charge of their, um, um, the entertainment and putting the convention together is also a worship pastor. And so I joined their Facebook group and he was like, are you Todd Smith of Selah? And I was like, do you know who Selah is? And he's like, yeah, he's like, I've, I've sung your music for years, you know, in my church, but I also, you know, work with this company with a social media examiner. And um, he said, uh, you know, man, it'd be great to write, you know, some, or for you to, to come and sing some songs because I was already coming to the conference and um, I said, why don't we write something specifically, you know, for people, for where they're at? And he, I said, tell me about the audience. And he was like, well, it's probably 60, 70% women. You have a lot of them coming out of COVID, even still now. They've been beat up. They've been, they're the single source of trying to market for their company. And they've got to learn how, you know, they've got to grow the business and there's so much pressure on them. And so we mm -hmm. just thought about, man, what if we, um, you know, wrote a song reminding them of like when they were kids, you know, when you got on your bike, you know, when you fell, you didn't go, Oh, I'm giving up. Yeah. You know, you got right back up mm -hmm. and you went for it when you're a kid, you just, yeah. you have this faith that I'm just going to keep going. And, and tomorrow's always a new day. It's always a new outlook. So the song we wrote is called how good it gets. And saying that there, we did this simple little music, our lyric, our music video yeah. that they put together. And, it's a marketing conference. So people aren't there for the music. And I had sure. so many people come up to me like, man, that brought me to tears, man, that I, you know, that was just so encouraging. I love that video. Um, so that'll be a song a little bit later on, but the very first song um, is a song. It's a seven song EP, but I'm going to release each song about every four to six weeks. Mm. And then I'll release, okay. I might even do a vinyl but at the end of November, or I'll release it as a, a digital download towards the end. But the very first song um, is just called Leave It to Love. And um, I always love the song by Bill Withers, Lean On Me, and the messaging of that, of being a brother and, and being there for someone, especially when they're walking through yeah. something difficult. And just, you know, this is way before COVID. I, I feel like 24-hour news really specialized in, hey, let's see how divisive we can get and let's have a conservative here and a liberal here and let's just have them go at each other, you know, on camera. And then you find out later when they're off camera, they're like good friends, but for ratings and everything else, they just attack each other. Mm -hmm. And that in turn, and, and with COVID, I, it's just turned into a thing where we don't know how to have civil conversations anymore. And we don't know how to be respectful yeah you know, you don't have to destroy someone's credibility just because you disagree with them on a hot topic, right. hot button topic. And so um, coming out of that, I was like, man, I'd really love to write a song just about being there for someone, you know, and speaking life into them because we have the opportunity to speak life or death into them. Right. And so um, uh, had this idea, had about four or five ideas. And there's this group called Rights and Bites, which is in Franklin, Tennessee, uh, in the Nashville area. And um, they've brought in a lot of young new writers, you know, kids who are just coming in, maybe they're not super connected and have really created like a home and a family for them. It's a, a older couple who runs it and they just have a heart for developing young talent. And, and so these kids, a lot of their, their 
Christian songwriters um, and they uh, come in and you come in and have dinner and then you share your ideas with them. And then they break off into like four or five rooms, like three writers at a time. And they work on a verse and a chorus. And then you go in to each room after about 20 or 30 minutes and go, Oh, I like that. Oh, that's not, that's not really moving me. Maybe just start over again and try something else. Mm. And then, you know, you might go into another one and go, Oh, I love the verse. Can you work on the chorus? Can you work on the idea a little bit more? And so um, they do that once a month. Well, I had sent in all my videos for what I wanted them to do. But mm. um, then the night before I was supposed to go in, uh, I've got five daughters. Uh, my twins are in college now. Um, and my 17 year old um, was 14 or 15 at the time. Well, she starts having this major stomach problem and she's the toughest kid, like super athlete, super tough. And she throws up, has stomach pains, you know, on her side. And I'm looking at, you know, appendicitis, like what it could be. And it's super late at night and I really don't want to go to the hospital, but I need to be a good dad. So, so I end up taking her and turns out it was about to explode. Like it Mm. was, she had appendicitis. Uh So the next morning they scheduled and, and, and removed it. And so the rest of the day we were there. And so I did what any good Christian, you know, songwriter would do. And I just left her in a room and I went to my songwriting thing. And I'm not kidding. I, uh, uh, we, um, we had to, I had to cancel, but the songwriters ended up writing um, that night mm-hmm. and based on the ideas that I had given them. And so out of that, they did, they came up with um, leave it to love and a song called keep on fighting. And then I was able to come back and write with them and finish those two songs. I will say. So, yeah. So the first one's called Leave It to Love. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I will say. So that is the first, that is the first one coming out though, right? Leave It to Love. Leave It to Love is the first single. It comes out uh, April 14th. And the cover um, yeah, for that that's my, is, that's my first single. Is awesome. Yes. <laughs> so, so my, uh, so a buddy of mine from uh, his, um, his son is actually Kate's boyfriend and uh, he's a photographer. His name is Danny Valdez. And we were talking about different ideas uh, for, for the album. And I said, man, I'd really love to, um, you know, most people have no idea who I am. You know, a lot of people know Sela, but when you talk about just in general, in the stratosphere, most people don't know who Lauren Daigle is. And she's probably the biggest artist that we have, you know? So mm. I'm just going at this from a, I'm a new artist like Sela, you know, streams about, we have about 700,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. Well, for my two solo projects, I have about 10,000. Mm-hmm. So, you know, very few a lot less people. So I was like, I want to get something that's eye catching that if, if someone was going through and they've never seen the cover, they would click on it to go, I don't know who he Mm -hmm. is, but I want to look at it. And, um, so he, you know, went back and started researching some things and, um, he found a picture of, um, who's, who's the main guy in the office, Michael Scott, the star, Michael Scott. What's that? Michael Scott. Sorry. Who is it? (laughs) Michael Scott. Uh, it keeps, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, but the real guy, his real oh, name. Oh, Steve Carell. Oh, Steve Carell. Steve Carell, sorry, yeah. So, yes, Michael Scott or Steve Carell. He did this crazy picture, and I actually read up on it after we did the photo shoot, but he, where uh, he was running late, the photographer didn't have much time, and so he grabs some scotch tape, some clear scotch tape, and he tapes it around his face, 
and it, and his eyes just kind of big like this. And it was just, it was like this weird, but you couldn't keep your eyes. You couldn't not stare at it. And uh, yeah. when Danny first showed it to me, I was like, oh man, I don't know about that. I don't think Sailor fans will really <laughs> dig that. But he's like, he's like, well, we won't do the same thing, but let's, you know, let's do something that's very different. See what we can come up with. So I'm putting makeup on because I shine a bunch. And so the makeup artist is, you know, putting mm. all kinds of powder on me so I don't shine like I am right now. <laughs> and she said, you know, hey, what if you guys just took a mic cord and you wrapped that around your face, you know, and you have the mic there. Now in that picture, you can't see the mic. But I was like, mm -hmm. I don't know that anyone's ever done that. I don't want to look like suicidal, but I, you know, I want to, I, I right. want it to be something where it, that would definitely catch my attention. And so at first when he shot it, the color picture, I was just like, ah, I don't, I just don't know, man. And then he did it in black and white. I was like, okay, I think that could, that could work. I still think there's going to be some people put off by it, but at the same time, there could be a lot of people who look at that and go, I don't know who that guy is, but I'll, <laughs> I'll click on it to see. And so that's where, that's where we came up with it. It's the first single. So we wanted it to be sure. a little jarring. Um, but at the same time, just even thinking about it, um, because I knew people would be like, is there any kind of deeper meaning to it? And actually, when we started in 97, we had CDs and cassettes. When I studied the music industry, no one ever suggested streaming. Like that was never, the idea that there would right. never be physical product was unheard of. It just wasn't part of the, it wasn't what was going to happen. And so to go from that to now, you know, releasing an album every 18 months to three years to now, Hey, you've got to release a single every month or every six weeks. And now you're not really a musician, you're a storyteller. And so really you need to know more about video and video editing and social media and being on every possible platform that there right. could be. And you need to post yeah. it this time and that time and all of the stress of that. Yeah. And the, um, you know, you used to have a marketing team for your, from your label who did everything and they had all the connections with, TV and publishing, and you just kind of sat back and then did the interviews when they came up with them. Well, now you're the marketer. So there's just so much chaos just to create a song and to release it. And so that symbolism of being wrapped up like that, actually, the it, it, it's it, there's a lot of symbolism that really relates to the kind of industry that I'm in, if that makes sense. The yeah, I think uh, looking at that picture, the, the people are going to say one or two things. They're going to say, who is this guy? I should stop and listen to it. Or wait, Sailor's broken up? So uh, I think e either way, maybe, I mean, you've got a couple days before this one releases. Maybe you have time to write a song real quick that says Sailor's still together, and that can be the first single just to just to reassure people, you know? <laughs> the I know. It's so funny you say that because, like, this morning I was actually um, – I was, we were, we're working on a new album for Sela and Alan had the idea of, Hey, what if we co-write everything? Either one of us is on the co-write or all three of us are. Cause typically I mm -hmm. write the, mo the most, but it's not like we do a lot of our own songs. And with this album, it would be all co-writes. Um, and so yeah. I, um, I'm a very passionate person but I'm not good at remembering things. And so even though I had a conversation with Alan yesterday saying that our the first songwriting session was in two days, um, 
I for some reason thought it was today, and the pl- and the guys we're co-writing with are forty five minutes away north of Nashville. I get in my car yeah. and I voicemail everyone like so excited to write with you guys today. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> hey, I'm just thinking about um, you know uh, um, you know when when you look at Jesus in um, when he was being tempted during those forty days, it is very similar. I heard a pastor share that. It's very similar when Satan tempts him to the garden. Mm-hmm. Only Adam and Eve fell and Jesus stayed true. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I'm giving this whole like a six minute, way too long message, send it. And then the uh, songwriter, co- songwriting coordinator calls me and he's like, um, Todd, um, the songwriting session's in two days. It's like, uh, yeah, you're right. I remember that. I had a conversation with Alan and I completely forgot about it. Ended up going there anyways and was able to co-write with two other writers who I've never written with. And we end up writing to him uh, for it. So mm. it ended up working out. But yeah, so all that to say, Salem's awesome. not breaking up. We're working on new music. <laughs> um, but yeah, probably, probably need to release that single. The song that I heard today, Todd, um, your assistant sent it to me. She said, oh, there's one more song that I need you to hear. And I heard it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the next Cinderella Butterfly Kisses song, Promises um, for Your Daughters. And it is a beautiful song. Uh, So I'm excited about that one as well. Yeah, man, that um, that one hits home, Um, you know, and for a lot of reasons, um, you know, there's sometimes where I'm like, man, God, you know who I am. You know who I am, like. And yet you've given me this position to be a father to these girls, you know, like part of me is like, what are you thinking? You know? And then the other part is, right. yeah, me, this is just incredible. And so in writing that song, and I had three female co-writers um, on that song who just did an incredible job. I, I went and did a second rights and bites and told them, Hey, I want to write a song, um, you know, about keeping my promises. And part of that was not because I'm the perfect dad. There's a lot of times where I've broken my promises. There's a lot of times where I haven't been a man of my word. There's a lot of times where I've said I would, you know, do something or commit to something. And then I didn't, you know, with them. And so it's like, man, moving forward, God, I, this is the kind of husband I want to be. This is the kind of father I want to be. Um, and in that too, seeing them, you know, like my, my twins left for college two years ago. And I cried like a baby uh, when they left. You know, when I came back home and that room was empty, it was just like, it's never going to be the same, you know, as it was then. Kate's leaving in two years. Charlotte is, you know, I used to read to her every night. She was this little girl. Now she's 12, you know, and and so there's this big transition. So you hear that in the second verse where it's like, okay, we finally entered that period where they're not little anymore. And now they're becoming women. And how do I move on, you know, from that? How do I move forward and still um, support them and love them and be excited for them? But I'm not necessarily in the same role that I was, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, the EP... I, I, every time I've sung that song, I've cried. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I recorded it... <laughs> it's powerful. When I recorded it, I held it in. Um, but uh, it was actually really sweet last night. Kate hadn't heard it. And uh, Jay had just, like, literally, we haven't, that's what you guys listen to. And, and feel free to play some of it, too, on this podcast. But that's not even the final mix. Like, we're still finishing it. But it'll be the second single. It comes out May 19th. Wow. 
uh, right before Father's Day. But awesome. Kate listened to it last night, my 17 year old, and she was just bawling her eyes out. And so I was like, yeah. oh, okay, good. It's, it's, uh, it's connected. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. So, uh, EP, you're releasing once every few weeks. Uh, uh, Leave It to Love is the first one. You had mentioned a vinyl, possibly at the end, as a vinyl nerd and geek. I'd implore you to do that uh, because I, I'm, I'm always looking to add to my vinyl collection that I can impress people with that really don't okay. care about vinyl when they come over. Mm-hmm. I'm the guy that pulls out all the vinyl. And they're like, who, who cares? Yeah, sure. I'm that guy. Uh, so, please, if, if you can, yeah. uh, I'm all about vinyl. Uh, okay, I gotta ask you, yes. Jesse. Are you at all into crypto or NFTs or anything like that, or is that stuff super weird? That's where my nerd. That's where my geekness geekiness kind of stops. If anybody, if any of us are, it's gonna be Chris. But I don't know if Chris is. Yeah, okay. I am. I feel like he would be. Chris, are you? Are you? I'm into it all. Yeah. Okay, good. Good. So, and the reason I have, I have a reason for this with vinyl, I haven't figured it all out yet, but I, I got into crypto in like 2018. And then actually with Sela, we created a, a digital currency, a, a crypto token with a company mm-hmm. called Rally. And I was like, I am just so brilliant. This could be the most <laughs> yeah, amazing thing. Well, then they just went out of oh, business. Man. Oh, man. <laughs> they, just, they just went out of business like two months ago. But all that to say, I'm, I'm very much into that in, into that space, and I'm going to probably release some NFTs later in September because there's a song I wrote called Wild Wild West, which is all about the crypto Such industry. a fun and song. That's really how I... Such oh, a thanks, fun song. Man. Thanks. Yeah, it's... Oh. You should have called Will Smith for that. Uh, yeah, you know what? I mean, I could do that. Will Smith or a bunch I of thought it, guys, When I first saw it, it. I yeah, thought it was going to be because you're, you're alive. Uh, album had Matthew West on one of the songs. And yeah. when I first saw Wild Wild West, I was like, yeah. oh, Matthew West is going to be on this one. Yeah. <laughs> unless that was him rapping i don't i don't think he's on it <laughs> no it was it was not him it was definitely not him rapping so but yeah that song that was so fun because how that happened was that's where i met so filmer sean is the guy who works for social media examiner which is a company that is owned um by michael stelzner who has a podcast it's probably the largest podcast for digital marketing called social media um, marketing and he got into crypto um, a couple of years ago and then was like, I'm doing a conference called Crypto Business. So I bought a ticket and then joined their Facebook group. And that's where Phil reached out to me. And he was like, hey, are you coming? You know, I, I see that you're coming to the conference. What do you think about singing for it? And he's like, tell me about your solo stuff. And I said, well, it's a little more mainstream. You know, it's, um, um, you know, I'm writing about uh Leave it to love, which is like being a brother, keep on fighting, which is about, man, don't give up. Don't let fear hold you back. And he's like, oh, that sounds perfect. And he said, would you come sing at the crypto conference? And I said, yeah. I said, but why don't we write a song for it? So he and I and Tony Wood, who has written so many songs, if you listen to Christian music, he's written everything. I mean, just so many. And Jay Spate, they've never written a song about Web3 and NFTs. I will tell you that. <laughs> so I, I remember going into that writing session going, hey, guys, just trust yeah, me on this. I want to write a song about this, but I don't want to say anything about NFTs or crypto. I want it to be themes that were if my mother heard it, she would still would get the sense. basic yeah. premise of what the song's about and not be turned off by that. So we did. And then we recorded that. So when that releases, at some point, there's going to be 
some NFTs. And I'm thinking that a possibility would be because usually you get a digital collectible when you're buying NFTs, some type, some type of physical thing. So one of those, one of those things are probably the digital collectible would be the vinyl record. So So Jesse, you may have to buy an NFT. Chris can help me. I'm sure Chris can help me get get an NFT. All right, so uh, Todd, we like to, uh, with our first-time guests, uh, do a favorite things segment, and so we're just going to mention uh, a right. certain category, and you'll let us know what your favorite thing in that category is. And we always like to start with something that we talk about often on this podcast, which is food. Do you have a favorite kind of food, Todd? Man, I kind of have a favorite, like everything, but my, my, I would say probably my favorite is Indian, All right. um, Indian or Arabic, okay. Middle Eastern, because I'm from Detroit and the largest Middle Eastern population outside yeah. of the Middle East is in yeah. Detroit and the best, best shawarma, galaba, um, the, the garlic paste that they have is phenomenal. Um, so big fan of that, big fan of Indian food and our manager, sales manager, my, my, my manager's, uh, Marcus Rickson, who's from Calcutta. So he's always got like, Hey, you got to go try this place. Tell him I sent you. It's like a mafia. Yeah, let him know, you know me. <laughs> and, uh, like, go in and, yeah. So those two Indian and Arabic food would be my tops. Nice. Do you have a favorite movie? Favorite movie. I will say if, um, there's a couple things. If Groundhog's Day is on, I'm going to stop what I'm doing and watch it. Um, I've just always loved that movie. I don't know why it's like a sappy romance movie. I am a sucker for anything Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. Um, so those those two usually every year, uh, Christmas time. That's a thing where I go through yeah. all of them. And so my oldest daughter Ellie, Lord be praised finally read about it and has read the first two books of the lord of the rings and so we've watched all the hobbit movies and we've watched the first lord of the rings but she just finished the two towers so once she gets back from school we will get into that one and then when she finishes uh, the return of the king we will i'm with you todd my son my son's 11 aiden he just finished the hobbit and uh, my youngest my daughter her name is actually arwen so uh, I'm a, I'm with you on Lord of the Rings. Nice, nice. This is probably way TMI, but I remember when me and Jesse went to the movie theater to watch The Return of the King, and like it was a long movie, especially like sitting in the theaters. And um, my stomach yes. was not doing too well that day. Um, like I was just, <laughs> it was just bad morning, bad day. And then Jesse was like, "You want to go see this?" I was like. I will hold it no matter how much I sweat. I will just hold it. <laughs> and I said, you didn't know, you I know but I said that, that whole movie and I did not get up. And then I was good after it was weird. It was like this. It was, it was medicine for my soul. <laughs> I don't know. The, you didn't have a dumb and no. dumber scene after that. Like, no, was, I thought, that, I, I thought for oh, sure that was going to happen, but you know, it didn't. So, Speaking of my roommate, before I got married, my roommate um, played Vander played football at Vanderbilt, and he 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 had a, a date 
on, uh, you know, just a Saturday, you know, it's when football was done. He was working now, but he had a date with this girl and had Saturday morning open. He's just kind of hungry, goes into his pantry and sees a whole bag of prunes and not thinking just watch. He's watching college football and just Uh, goes to town and then looks at his watch, you know, four or five hours later and says, oh, I got to get ready and sees that the bag is like 90% done. It wrecked him. Wrecked him. He made it through the day. Came out like a Yeah, he made it through the day, but at the end of it, the girl was like, do you want to come in? Like, you know, we can hang out and talk. And as soon as she got out of the car, he slammed the door shut. Like, you know, made it back. Made it back to the house. So. But yes, that's uh, Those are always the, the good times of life. Um, so. What else you got? So what, what is your questions? favorite show to binge? Favorite show to binge. I am um, I am binging right now. Um, oh, uh, it's a um, show. Oh, it's so good. I can't remember the title. <laughs> Give me a second. Here. <laughs> um, oh, Paw Patrol. <laughs> Paw Patrol, right? Um, oh. oh, my word. Let's see. I have heard of that shirt. So, oh, my oh by the way, do you see? I have my um, oh, button right there. I got my Bucky's T-shirt on right now. I just, I just wanted you guys to see. Jacob that. and I were just talking about um, Bucky's before we started this interview. Have you guys been? I lived in Texas for a little bit. Yeah, love yes. Bucky's. Okay, yeah. So you guys know it. Joe Pickett. Okay. Joe Pickett is a series I am binging right now. It's actually a um, book series that's been around for like 20 years. The guy's a New York Times bestselling author. And it sounds so boring when I say it, but he's basically like a wilderness um, uh, conservation kind of guy. And so, um, but he's, he's a wildlife guy, but it deals with all kinds of craziness in, um, uh, Wyoming, and so yeah, that's that's the one that I'm binging yeah. right now. But my wife and I will just watch. Will she loves different TV shows? She loves anything related to murder, so anything that like 20, 48 yeah. hours or Dateline or whatever. And she's always told me like, if you ever cross me, I'll bring I know how to get away with it. <laughs> she does. She seriously does. And she she's getting her PhD right now in developmental psychology, so she. The idea of why a mass murderer becomes one fascinates mm. her. You know, like what's going through their mind, and um, and then yeah, whenever we're watching those shows, we're always trying to figure out okay, right. who was it? Okay, do you think it was okay, oh, yeah. so and so? So yeah, we watch those quite a bit. I love. I also love history. Um, so if it's World War II or Civil War or, um, you know, even when everything was happening with Russia and Ukraine, I just did a mm. deep dive on YouTube of what's the history there and what's going on there, and it goes back. I mean basically a thousand years you know that 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 area has always been disputed so yeah just stuff like that but yeah great question joe pickett's the one i'm I'm do you have a favorite musical artist of all time probably journey okay um uh i because steve perry to me he's like when you think of vocals he's just at a different level than Mm -hmm. everybody else but also boston i loved brad delp um his voice was just and his range was just unbelievable but i was a big um like kansas journey toto 
Um, you know, and then as far as Christian music, Russ Taff was yeah. obviously a big influence. You know, um, Bob Carlyle, when he was with a group called Allies, um, I didn't listen as much to his solo stuff like Butterfly Kisses and stuff like that, but he was a phenomenal rock singer. So like even on, um, who is it Poison who sings girls, 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 who, who sings that? I only listen to Christian music. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I hear like I probably Girls, 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 girls. Is that is that Motley Crue? I thought I was thinking Motley Crue. Yeah, Carlisle. That's Bob Carlisle singing that. One of the that's his vocals. Yeah, that's his vocals. Wow, and he's one of those guys who could wake up. Yeah, if you listen back to it, it's totally him. Uh, and it's it's like who's the the hmm. country artist who just sang the national anthem at the Super Bowl? Oh, oh, wow. um, what's his name? long hair, the long dude. beard? Yes. Zach, Zach, Chris Zach. Stapleton. Chris, yeah, Chris no, Stapleton. Uh, Sorry, let me start over again. Let Stapleton. me start over again. We'll edit yes. that part because we all need to we need to Chris know. Chris Stapleton. But um, Chris Stapleton, from what I hear, he can wake up at six a.m. and do a radio show, and he'll sound the way he sounds at wow. eight p.m. You know, just all out wow bob was like that too so um yeah mm. andre crouch was a big influence uh fred hammond um who is from detroit and he had a group called commission and uh so yeah he was a big mm-hmm. influence so i i know i just gave you like 20 it's people right. that I it's love. fine it's hard to just kind of shoot one i i would say though as far as there's there... christian it would be rust half and steve perry would would be yeah. for pop is there someone that you would love to do a duet with? Man, there's a bunch of people um, who I would have... Living or deceased? It, well, Brad Delp, unfortunately, took his life um, a while back. He was in Boston, and um, that would be someone who I would have loved mm-hmm. loved to have sang with. Um, um, let me see. Steve Perry I've, you know, would, would definitely be somebody. I'd love to sing with Chris Stapleton. I think that would be... Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be amazing. Um, let me see. Uh, Christian, um, I loved Michael English uh, when he had his solo albums and he did an album called Gospel. Um, and we've done we've done a couple things, but I'm trying to think. Um, uh, who uh, and Russ and I did did a duet together um, a while ago. I'm trying to think if there's anybody recently who I'd love to sing within Christian um, Matthew and I did that one duet a while ago um, who's the uh, I forget what his name is but he just uh, I'm going blank since you like heavy metal I think you should do a song with Strike hey I just bought you know I just bought tickets for their concert be- it's nice. the uh, the last one is in Nashville in July and uh, I even bought like nice. the whatever the expensive package right. was to you know mm-hmm. meet them backstage. Awesome. So yeah, me and Michael Sweetman, let's do it. All right. Let's so what is yeah. your favorite ice cream flavor? Uh, definitely Rocky Road. Uh, or sorry, okay. Moose Tracks. Moose Tracks okay. is my favorite. Um, but I'm also a you know it, it's funny. I love chocolate. And, like if I was on a deserted island. Debbie Swiss cake rolls would be little Debbie Swiss cake rolls would be my go-to. A man's got to um, survive. But for some reason, a man's got to survive. <laughs> Absolutely. If and if you've got those and football, <laughs> you, 
you know. If I've got that in Michigan football, except when they're playing for the national championship, <laughs> I'm good. So, um, but yeah, so th- that would be my, that moose tracks okay. would be my I was about my, to my say, go-to. when you said Rocky Road, I was like, ah, and then moose tracks is my, my favorite, but I'm, I don't like nuts and sweets. Like if you put like walnuts yeah. and brownies, that ruins brownies, like, you know, all that. Dude, you are preaching oh, yeah. the gospel. Yeah, that's true. Like, yep. There's no reason yes. for that. That's like that's like when you have Jello and they put fruit and yeah. some other nasty yeah. thing in it, and like it just yeah. let it be yeah. Jello. Let it stand up and sound. if it's chocolate, it's now no you have, are you opposed to the nut? Are you opposed to like Snickers and stuff? No, I do like Snickers, but those are made. Like those are made. Like a Snickers is peanuts in yeah. the bar, like but like a brownie or like you know whatever you, you don't put nuts in that. Yeah, there's nothing worse than eating a brownie and a big yeah. walnut is in it. Or even worse, I hate raisins and I hate coconut. And oh, so man. when you're eating a chocolate chip cookie that is actually a raisin uh, cookie. I think we just became best friends. I'm pretty sure we just became best friends. Uh, Todd, do you have a favorite podcast? Yeah. So, um, man, so one, uh, one, there's a, a podcast called NFT 365 and the guy who runs it's uh, become a personal friend of mine. His name is Brian Fanzo. And he, for last year, every day did a podcast and bought an NFT That's every impressive. day. And the amount of work that that takes and research and he bought them on all different mm-hmm. platforms and so that's one. Um, Michael Stelzner has one called um, um, uh, Social Media Marketing, but he also has the Web3. Um, and so for anybody like yourself, Jesse, if you don't know anything about crypto, um, but you're wanting to know about it and, and major companies are investing more and more into it. So aside from all the negative that you hear and aside from the 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 players in it who've just done horrible things have lost billions of dollars for people that space is continuing to grow and is going to continue to grow crypto business is a really great way to find out more about it but the podcast that i am really obsessed with and i'm trying to be careful that i'm admitting this um but it's called blurry creatures and it is about uh bigfoot it is about more importantly to me about the nephilim about genesis Mm -hmm. 6 about um fallen angels and what took place before the flood like what really happened well todd thank you so much for chatting with us um you're you're so like your EP, you got a you got a track coming out every four to six weeks. Correct? That's correct. Be seven singles. Is, is there an official title for the EP? Well, or? it right now it's Leave It to Love. But if a different song okay. blows up, then I would probably change it to whichever one does the best. If that makes sense. So, okay. But for right now, we'll call it the Leave It to Love EP, featuring the songs about the Nephilim <laughs> and Web Three. So. And, and where people can uh, follow you on socials? What's yeah, your... so it's pretty much official Todd Smith um, on everything. I'm the most active on Instagram. Um, I have a website sure. that I'm still building, but that'll be officialtodsmith.com. Um, Facebook, it's the, uh, uh, they can find me there. And TikTok too, it's the, the same thing. So yeah, those are definitely the ways to keep up. Well, thanks, Todd. And thank you, dear listeners. You can check us out on all social media platforms at Christian Music Guys. 
check us out on our website, christianmusicguys.com. There you will find all of our latest blogs and check out our latest episodes. Be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It's much appreciated. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.